Algar Productions. Algar Productions. You are listening to the Post Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 314, covering Shattered and Lineage. Hi, friends. This week wasn't as bad as previous weeks. Would you say that, Matt? I would say it's not as... Why well, half of it was not as bad as previous weeks. We, we had a bad run there. Yeah, we did. I was trying to remember the last time we'd seen a good episode, and I gave up after... I'm- I mean, we you must know. have seen a good episode at some point, right? Like Something in my head still tells me Voyager has overall been better than I thought it was going to be, but it's been so long since we've seen a good one. That's the thing. Look, when this is all over, and we're still alive, thank God. When? If, if it's all over. If this ever ends, we're going to look yeah. back at it and think, okay, so Voyager was not nearly as bad as we expected it to be. I um, believe that will be the case, yes. But we're also going to look at these huge... Just these huge swatches of episodes that went on and on forever, and were all god awful. I'm I'm looking just real real quick. Looking back, Flesh and Blood was garbage. Body and Soul and Nightingale were garbage. Mm-hmm. Critical Care and Inside Man were garbage. Drive was okay. Repression was garbage. Unimatrix Zero was the worst. Okay, Imperfection. I liked that one. That was the one where Seven thought she was dying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. So the second episode of this season, which we are now in the middle of, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. was the only good one. And now I like the second of this pairing. <sighs> and that's about it so far. Yeah. And they're both seven episodes. So, oh, wait, no, no the no, second no. one's a Bolano one. Yeah. No, there's been a lot of, like, this is one of the things uh, season seven has definitely done that I wanted them to do is fix Bolana. They've done that consistently. Mm-hmm. Not just in this one episode we watched, but, like, throughout season seven. They've given her more like she still doesn't have a lot of interests, but character wise, she's not just angry Bolana. There's more to her now. Yeah. And I'm, I'm very pleased with that. Yeah. So, so we got that going. So there. that's nice. Yeah. And I don't hate Echeb like the newest character, the newest regular character. I like Echeb at this point. I, Echeb's a great fucking character. I don't know that I'd go that far, but he's been pretty good. He's delightful in the second episode. He is. And and we will absolutely get to that, but but first mm-hmm. we gotta we gotta talk about uh, shattered, <laughs> which by title I knew like oh boy it's called it's shattered. Much- this is gonna be terrible, and it was dark shattered glass. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay, here we go. Listen. Chakotay has become unstuck in time. Longtime listeners may recall that I made this exact Kurt Vonnegut reference for the TNG finale, All Good Things. But why should I think of new jokes if the show isn't going to think of new plots? Yes, we're doing the character jumps through different time periods and has to convince different past and or future versions of the people in his life that this is happening so that they will assist him in stopping it story. Only this time, we're not following a compelling character played by one of the best actors in the franchise. No, we're at the opposite end of the spectrum here, following Robert Beltran as Chakotay through his own boring past, present, and future. (laughs) Thankfully, he's not alone for too long, because if there's one thing this show loves more than all the other terrible things it loves combined, it's its own first season. That's right, Bunhead Kate is back. Again. Somewhere along the way, somebody thought it was clever to reference Kate's very different season one hair as a quick visual shorthand for We're in the Past. And the first time they did it, it kind of was. We kind of liked it. But this is the 8th or 12th time we've done it now, so like everything in Voyager, it feels stale and uninspired. Speaking of which, the show uses Chakotay's pointless time jumping to revisit a number of its greatest hits, such as they are. 
Look, it's the Kazon. Matt's going to be happy about that. He isn't. It's seven, but still in Borg mode rather than in mostly human, doesn't have to wear 80 pounds of prosthetics mode. Jerry Ryan must have pissed someone off that week. And the doctor doesn't have his mobile emitter yet, so he's stranded in sickbay. Now, now let's not be hasty. Maybe this time frame isn't so bad. With the help of a crew she doesn't even know yet and about a zillion violations of the Temporal Prime Directive, Kate and Chuck, mostly Kate, repair the fractured time thing that's happening to the ship and turn everything back the way it was. That's right, a big old reset button where none of this ever ended up happening. Get used to this sort of thing, bunhead Kate. It's gonna happen a lot out here. At this point, how much of the rest of Voyager does first season Kate know? Because I think it's a lot. No, the implication was seriously reset button. The implication was when Chakotay, and I'm, I'm pretty sure they did this in the story, so I'll give them partial credit for that. When he realized, okay, if we're successful, she's not gonna remember any of this, so I might as well just tell her everything. Mm. So that's okay. See, because I keep thinking of the Ke- the Kess Comes Back episode, where they know Kess is going to turn evil from season one. Yeah, and they just quietly keep that information to themselves. Yeah, they're just going to wait. Yeah, I always hate that kind of retcon, just like the Unimatrix Zero revelation that Seven uh, had been doing this thing for years mm-hmm. and years. I want to go back to this first episode of season one and just watch for Marty McFly in that leather jacket and hat sneaking around in the background. <laughs> The thing is, I mean, when Back to the Future 2 did that, which mm. I don't know if they're the first movie that ever did that, but they're the first like popular thing that ever did that. I was so amazing. It's so it's it's such a clever thing to do, you know? Hey, we're a time travel movie. What if we went back to the first movie? Yeah, yeah that's cool. And this show, again, when they did it the first time or two, I liked it. But oh, my God, they I, I said this on Twitter when I watched the episode. Has there ever been a show more in love with its own first season? And Flunk correctly said uh, maybe Futurama. Yeah, you know, and, he's not wrong. Yeah, he's not wrong about that. But that show turned it into a joke. Yeah, this no. show is playing it completely straight, so that makes it way, way worse. But like I always liked it in Futurama because it was funny. Yeah, no. But uh, future, fun Futurama drinking game. Um, take a drink every time Fry goes. Here's to another lousy millennium. <laughs> I mean, that's the easy way to, in one line, remind you that you're back in the pilot and yep. ninety nine turning into two thousand. But yeah, this and I mean, take a drink every time on Voyager you see Bunhead Kate because really. What is this? Honestly, the sixth or seventh time, probably. Yep. Sorry, Kate, sorry, Kate Mulgrew, to dis- d- distinguish you from Kate Janeway. Uh, we're going back to season one. We're gonna have to bun up your hair again. A son of a bitch. Well, and and we talked about this. This feels like a clip show. Yeah, it does. Except the the thing about a clip show, and look, we hate clip shows, or at least we hated the one clip show Star Trek did, which was Shades of Grey. No, I think I can safely say that I hate all clip shows. Yeah, The Simpsons usually had like 10% new material to bookend the, the old stuff. I didn't love that. I'm trying to think of good examples of a clip show, and I'm, I'm coming up short. That, that is why all of them are terrible. Yeah, but um, the thing is, the one advantage from a production standpoint of a clip show, obviously, everyone knows this, mm-hmm. is you're out of money and you're using footage you've already shot. Yeah. And this this has doesn't have that, so it's like the worst of all worlds. It's the tired narrative premise of a clip show but they also paid to reconstruct all the old makeup like put uh, uh seven's borg makeup back on uh bring back seska and the kazon and put all their makeup on like dress up the ship in various ways to distinguish it in different time periods like it's it, so they had to spend all that money it wasn't really a bottle show i imagine because they kept having to change everything yeah it's like if it's like if uh, if Kate and uh, Chakotay were stuck in a turbo lift, but every yeah. time they thought they remembered something, they then ran through that memory. <laughs> it's exactly like that. <laughs> well, here we are. Look, there's Seven back when she was a Borg. Hello. Yeah, I, I, there are things about it that I like. Mm-hmm. There, 
it's interesting to me seeing Kate, and this was before she went to the Badlands. This is seriously, they just launched. Mm-hmm. Like Harry Kim's been an ensign for five minutes, she says. And they haven't even started chasing. Like she knows who the Maquis are, but she hasn't started chasing them yet. There's, a, so, there's like, a part where Chuck's like, uh, yeah, Harry Kim invented this. And she just says, Harry Kim? Harry Ew. Kim invented? That guy can't do anything. I had to tie his shoelaces. <laughs> and we don't have shoelaces. He called me mom at the job interview. <laughs> yeah, he's still doing that. Whatever you say, mom. Oh, no. Well, mom, I would say my biggest weakness. Oh, no. <laughs> I try too hard. Yeah. Um, but I, I think there's a kernel of an interesting concept in, you know, pre-series Kate seeing all the stuff that's going to happen to her at the end of it, almost at the end of it, mm-hmm. and saying, huh, this is this is interesting. Yeah. I don't think I like it. Yeah. What? <laughs> I'm going to strand people in the Delta Quadrant, work with Borg. Like, I, uh, no. Maybe not. No. Yeah. What if instead we we just take everything back to my to my time period? No. No one wants to go back to season one. We're not watching the series again. No. I mean, we joked about going back to the cage, but that only happened once. And honestly, I would love to watch the cage now. Oh, my God. I dream of the cage. Yeah, me too. It just, like, and seriously, Chakotay... As usual, mm-hmm. Robert Beltran brings no, like, no charisma, no energy, no any, like, yeah. all the stuff's happening. Remember Picard freaking out? Yeah. At, like, like all the different subtleties you would get, like, the not subtlety of him being a crazy, ranting old man. But then when he went back to his own season one, the subtlety of, okay, clearly nobody else knows what's going on here. I need to play this cool. Mm-hmm. And then losing his cool for a minute and shouting red alert and then realizing, ah, that was probably the wrong thing to do. I need to keep playing a cool. Like, he played different shades of it. This this is just Beltran. Well, he's a loaf of bread, as Caitlin said. Yeah. And uh, all we see is him going back to when he was dough and going forward to when he was toast. (laughs) It doesn't really. That doesn't tell us anything about the character. No. I don't need to know anything more about uh, Chakotay, honestly. I don't need to delve into his past. No, and at this point in season seven, I'm playing, this is a horrible do, thing to do as a, as a fan, as a reviewer, but seriously, every time we get in season seven, a, for instance, Chakotay centric episode, I just think, Ooh, this could be the only one, maybe no more Chakotay for the rest of the series. <laughs> this is it. I'll burn out this one and then I don't have to watch him anymore. He'll just be in yeah. the background yelling about things. Has there been a Harry episode yet? Cause maybe that's it. Maybe Ooh. there's no more Harry. <laughs> like maybe he's just a background guy now. That would be nice. What about my feelings about stupid stuff? No, sorry, Harry. Yeah, well, uh, we haven't gotten a Neelix episode this year yet, though. So Guys, I that. died again. No, that's too bad. Good. Stay dead this time. How about that? I can't. Oh. What would my mom say? There there were a couple of good things. Mm-hmm. Um, And my, my main good thing is, okay, we open with uh, Naomi Wildman, mm. which is great. We've been like, where the fuck has she been? Yeah. And it was nice seeing her hanging out with Echeb, and Echeb's helping her learn stuff, which is cool, mm-hmm. like with her schooling. Um, but then in, when Chakotay jumps forward to the future, we see future Naomi Wildman, and the idea is in this future, they're still in the Delta Quadrant. Uh, she's now, what, a lieutenant or something like yeah, that? Yeah, something like that. And, uh, like, we got a, a grown-ass woman playing her, and uh, Echeb is also older, and I, I like that. Mm-hmm. Like, all possible versions of one of my favorite supporting characters. Yeah, no, that, that but Naomi unfortunately, has. we only use her for about six minutes. Yeah, she's barely in it. Yeah. Why but can't we bring was, her with us? That'd be nice. If Yeah, if it was her jumping through time, that would be cool. That would be great. That's already yeah. a better episode than anything we had to watch. I would love to see 
because they've they've established Naomi for what three seasons, something like that. She's been around a long time. Yeah, like they've established her very firmly as having a, a good head on her shoulders. Like mm-hmm. she can handle herself in, like throw her in the deep end of the fucked up Star Trek shit pool. Oh yeah. Like, here is some of the weirdest stuff that we see as Starfleet guys, only you're an eight-year-old girl or whatever she's supposed to be. Three. She's three. Uh, yeah, but, you know, she acts she acts like like a tween. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? She acts like someone who's eight, nine, ten, somewhere around there. But, she's, uh, like, she's like fucking Steven Universe. She made it to, like, eight and then just stopped for the rest of the series. That's fine. She's, she's that or, I mean, you know, she's got Alexander's disease. Yeah, there you go. Which, at least in the next episode, without spoiling what happens just yet, um, they do at least mention that Klingons grow up fast. Yeah, they fucking do. So that's something. But, uh, no, anyway, my, my point is, take this this little girl mm-hmm. of indeterminate age and, like, just throw her in the deep end and show how cool-headed she would be yeah. in a situation like this, because she absolutely would. Here, fight the Borg. Done. Oh, okay. Done. Fucking, that was easy. I, I I picture her. I mean, there was that that cute comic I've mentioned before. Yes, with uh, Waypoint. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was awesome. But I picture her almost like Squirrel Girl. Oh yeah, L- like not always fighting. Sometimes just making friends and talking them into not fighting. No, saving people with the power of compromise. I mean, there's a, a recent issue of Squirrel Girl where she talks the Rhino into calling himself the Unicorn because of his horn. That's adorable. Yep. And that's a very Naomi Wildman thing to me. They, those characters seem very similar to me. You got a horn. Why don't you become the unicorn? Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you don't have to be all run around smashing shit. No, you know what a horn means. You're unique. You're like a unicorn. Oh. oh Thanks, wow. Naomi. Yeah. And I, that's what I'm saying. I picture her somehow managing where no one else has to, uh, to, to like, compromise with the Borg, to, to like, negotiate with the Borg. I like that idea. Mm-hmm. But anyway, no, we don't get any of that. We get Chakotay reacting <sighs> like exactly the same to every situation ever. Just ruining it, you know? Yep. Uh, you appear to have a text, Matt. I got it. <laughs> Just leave me alone, phone. Look, we had to put our fidget cubes down. Yeah, I, I put it on the shelf next to my fidget cube. We both we both have those little devices that have a million clicky things on each side mm-hmm. to, to fidget with. And... Um, and both of us just okay. Got to get this as far away from the microphone as possible. Don't click. think about it. Just pick it up and start clicking it. Some my my D and D game this this week was just full of click 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 click. Matt, is something wrong with your mic? Nope. Click 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 click. I'm a professional podcaster. Got a good mic. Just so very fidgety. Yep. Anyway, yeah. Did just Chuck? Just terrible. Oh yeah. Um, but your your good thing also sort of related to the board kids, yeah? Yeah. Uh, Icheb's scene with Chuck at the beginning of the episode is actually quite good. Like, I like that guy. Chuck comes in looking for a place to stash or possibly take his secret booze that he doesn't want Neelix to find out about. Which I appreciate, because if oh, yeah. Neelix knows you have food, he will steal it. No, and like a rat. Like yeah. Exactly like a rat. Yeah. Uh, but no, they, it's it's his long running, and I still don't love the intimacy of these two, but it, it is an established thing that he and Kate have like sort of a quiet, intimate dinner together regularly. And so he's got like special wine mm-hmm. that he uses for that, and he wants to keep it put away. And yeah, that's a nice little character thing. I just picture him seducing, seducing Ca- Captain Janeway has been the most long, the longest and most arduous adventure I've ever had to embark upon. <laughs> yeah, this it took seven years and the entire length of the galaxy, but I think I might finally make this happen. And 18 bottles of red wine. 
<laughs> and six boxes of red wine, because let's be honest. Yeah. And two hard-boiled eggs. Make that three hard-boiled eggs. No, and there's also a cute bit. It, it, it's in this episode, right, where they do have their... Yeah, it is. Where they have their dinner, and she burns the roast or whatever. Yeah. Like, she's not a very good cook, and no. she's... Been, like, there's, there's been a subtle runner where she's fighting with her replicator. <laughs> Which has been going on for a few seasons now. Every yeah. now and then it pops up where she's just like, yeah, I threatened to, to turn the thing into a garbage disposal. Fuck this replicator. Now it's <laughs> like, against me. All replicators are against me. And she's she's more of like an astrophysics science guy than a, than an engineer science guy. But I feel like she knows how to replicate it, like how to fix a replicator. I do like the idea of her banging on the side of it with a giant wrench. <laughs> that feels right. Work, damn it. I'm the, this works for Bellana. I'm the captain. I'm the boss of you. I've got all the security clearances. Is there some special password I'm supposed to say to make you work? I'm sorry. I know what you meant, but I just pictured her banging Bellana in the head with a wrench to get her to go to work. Yeah, also that. Work, damn it. Captain, stop it. <laughs> Fix my replicator. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get any coffee, you bitch. Whack, whack, whack. That was uncalled for, but I need my coffee. <laughs> no, the, the scene with each was cute because, yeah, Chuck shows up to, like, Get his the wine and Ichab's just there. He's like, hey, what you doing, sir? Just passing through, getting some wine. I want to no, see teenage Ichab like this booze hidden down here. Oh my god! I'm gonna have a secret now, Borg drunk party. Now, do you think he's irresponsible enough to also give some to Naomi, or you think he would send her on her way first? Ah, uh, that's a good question. Naomi at this point is his only friend. Yeah, which is a little sad. Bellana was his friend, but he kind of spoiled that. Yeah, he ruined that one. Yeah. Why won't anyone be friends with me anymore? Well. Because well, you are very socially awkward. Don't hit on your friends. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> your adult friends who are old enough to probably be your mom or at least your much older sister. Yep. Yeah. No, it was it was a cute scene, mm. actually. You know, it, uh, it, it, they basically, it's like uh, he tells Chuck to just, you know, Neelix never looks in the Borg supply box. Yeah, everyone, everyone's scared by uh, Seven's spooky Borg haunted house. Why don't you hide it there? <laughs> Come on down to spooky spooky Seven's spooky Borg haunted house. Neelix is like, I'm not going down there. There's a g -g -g ghost. It's the haunting of Deck 12 all over again. Oh, no, 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 no. What if we get attacked I'm by a ghoul? I mean, this episode could have at least didn't go back into the haunting of Deck Twelve. So that's, that, 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 that's a plus. Or <laughs> let's go zero. back to the, let's go back to our stupidest episodes. It feels like they kind of did that, though. Well, they definitely went back to a Seska and Kazon episode. I don't dislike Seska. I still think like pairing her up with the Kazon meant I didn't like her by default. Like you know, pairing her like, up with the Kazon extension. ruined anything interesting about Seska. She was guilty by association because of the Kazon, but but in and of herself, I kind of liked her. Yep. I like the actor. I like the idea of the of the undercover Cardassian working for the Maquis kind of thing. Yeah. I just, yeah. No, it's, but, it's like your sister but, starts dating a redneck and suddenly she's at tire fires and... Yeah, rebel like, flags. You're, and very, you're yeah. better than this. I grew up with you. Nope, this is what I am now. Yeehaw. <laughs> And that's your bad thing, right? Is uh, fucking Kazon. That's it. Fucking Kazon are in this episode. Yeah, it's fucking season seven. We left the Kazon behind four seasons ago, but they're still fucking coming around, jumping their ships over the fucking river, <laughs> fucking outwitting goddamn Boss Hog again. The river of time. Matt. The river of time. Yeah. The river of time, which is the fire in which we burn. 
Here's a here's a thing, and I don't know, maybe there's a real science explanation for this, but as a as a viewer, as a person who sort of only casually understands science fiction science and not real science, it didn't make sense to me. Okay, so the idea is that the ship is fractured and different parts of it exist in different times. So yeah, fine, this whatever. Is, this literally happened in an episode of uh, TNG. I don't remember that specifically happening. There's that there's but, that scene where Worf is looking through the door of the bridge and there's more bridges through it. No, I wasn't that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, I know which one. You remember that one? Yeah. 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 I thought you meant the one where Worf was going to different alternate realities. No, no, this is slightly different. No, no, this is different. Yeah. But like no, basically different rooms of the ship are different time periods. Well, oh, yeah. And that's what's happening here, which, okay, fine, whatever. But, uh, and again, I, there may be real science to back this up. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't make sense to me on a superficial, like watching TV level. It exists in different places in space, vastly different places in space, like way back where the Kazon were, which is mm. almost at the at their at their origin point back in the Alpha Quadrant. Like, yeah. how are you how are you walking from the bedroom to the living room and suddenly you're halfway across the galaxy? Yeah, it doesn't make it. It's like what? So like time is contained within the walls of the ship. How does that work? But you're spatially, you're somewhere entirely different. Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? That doesn't. Like, time travel by itself doesn't make any goddamn sense. No, it doesn't. And again, I'm sure someone could write in and explain the actual science. I don't care about that. I'm talking about Star Trek science. But, like, it, this just makes it even more confusing. Because it's like, yeah, you can walk through a door and you're in fucking the mess hall. But it's also three years ago. And the Borg are all here eating our sandwiches. Also, and that happened, like, 50,000 light years behind us. Back like, that they, way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, I, but the, the really, like, the, the thing that illustrates my point best is g- going to, I don't know, the bridge, I think it was, mm-hmm. which is in the Alpha Quadrant. Like, on the other side, the, the place that takes 75 years to get to is just right there. Yeah. Doesn't really make sense. <sighs> so, yeah. I hate it. I didn't love it. I, I hate it and I, I want to throw things at it. Nah, it. It felt lazy because they'd done it a million times. Yeah. They didn't bring anything new to it. It's it's literally just well we'll do this again this will be fine yeah we'll just plug Chicote into this mm-hmm. oh good I've heard there's a rule on The Simpsons now where if something happened five years ago because they've been doing it for so long they could yeah. just do what if it happened if it was a joke that they did five years ago they'll just do it again it doesn't matter yeah. um that's like this only last year no it did yeah. last year so fuck it we'll do it this year I just feel like there's like. And the next episode illustrates what I mean. This isn't a hypothetical. This mm-hmm. is a, I have a solid like uh, example that happens this week for us, which is stop doing your high concept sci-fi stuff if you're out of those ideas. Just mm-hmm. don't do them anymore. Do quieter, character-driven stuff that can really work and focus on the guys instead of the wacky shit that's happening to mm-hmm. the guys. That's what I've been saying all along, and the next episode really nails that, I think. Oh, yeah. Instead of constantly trying to to come up with some new idea because you're, you're out of ideas. Like you're just, you're straight up out of hardcore sci-fi ideas. That's fine. Star Trek does so many other things. Mm-hmm. Just stop doing that until you think of a new one. Just, yeah. just DS nine didn't do a ton of that. They did a few, but they focus more on the characters and that's how they got way more mileage. And it didn't feel so stale because they kept focusing on what happened to the guys yeah. and their heads and their relationships. And the, you know, that's why so their seventh that. season was fucking awesome. And yours is dragging me down into an endless pit of despair. Uh, not that endless. We're going to be done in two months. Mm, it's two months from now. I mean, we got, I'm looking at my chart right now. One, two, three, four, five. We got seven more episodes for us after this. So 14 episodes of Voyager, seven podcasts. And oh. we're done. That's not that much. <laughs> 
It's true. Wow, I feel way better. I'm going to sing a song. The Voyager finale episode will post, un- unless something catastrophic happens, we'll post on June 5th. So I don't know if we could make it If we could make it through the great power outage of 2017. I think we can make it the rest of the I mean, series. You live in a major U.S. city, and you were without power for three full days. That was pretty catastrophic. Mm-hmm. Like, out in the sticks, that's one thing, but you live in Portland, which is, like, on, on the, the West Coast, one of the main cities. <laughs> I'm sorry, I thought you said... You live on the West Coast, one of the two main coasts. Well, there's also the Gulf Coast. I guess that's true. People people in Texas try to make you think that's a thing. Shout out to the Gulf Coast. Good work, guys. Yeah, you're on the Gulf of Mexico. That's almost like an ocean. Tell them I said hi. Uh-huh. Tell Mexico. I can see Mexico from my house. <laughs> oh. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, let me have a look at my notes. Oh, okay. So the way to fix the time crap is mm-hmm. first the doctor <laughs> creates a chronoton-based serum. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Or he as puts I refer, time in a in, in some medicine. Or as I referred to it, a potion. Yeah, basically ca- a potion. He calls but, it a serum, but he takes some sort of medicine and puts time into it, and it's a uh-huh. potion. Yep, that's that is a potion. There, you, we're we're past science at this point. This is now magic. I, but the the worst part of it is his solution is or their their solution to make it uh, fix the whole ship is to inject the potion in the gel packs, which we haven't talked about since what season one. Nope. And oh right, the ship is made of biological whatever. So let's give it the medicine. Yeah, that should do the trick. The time medicine. <clears throat> yeah, it's not great. It's not great. It's fucking dumb. It's pretty dumb. <clears throat> the potion. Also, okay, so have we ever heard of the Temporal Prime Directive before? Like, it, I know what it is. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a reasonable thing that should exist. I'm just, I'm wondering, like, this isn't a complaint. I'm just wondering, have they ever brought it up before? It's from uh, the DS9 episode with uh, oh, so it is. the so Time it is. Cops. Yeah, because it comes up a lot in Enterprise with its uh, Temporal Cold War, whatever that yeah, is. Yeah. yeah, but no, it's basically don't do anything to fuck up the past. No, 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 I can't, I, and honestly, just from the phrase, I get what it is. Yeah. I understand as a Star Trek fan what Temporal Prime Directive means, that's fine. I'm just curious, is this the first canonical appearance of them admitting that they have one of those? No, no, that would be the triple episode. Yeah, that's... In DS9. Yep. Okay. Uh, anything else? Uh, my good things. Uh, oh, you, well, you said one, did you? Ha- oh, you did oh, yeah, another you, one, yeah. Oh, I also forgot. There's a great shot of, the, basically how they show that Voyager is being effect, affected by all these different time zones all throughout the ship is you get a shot of Rainbow Voyager, which is Voyager, but colored in with a beautiful rainbow. And I looked at it and thought that should be used at all future gay pride parades. Yeah. That'd be good. I mean, you know, there are no gay people in Rick Berman's Star Trek, but, uh. You know, no, but gay, still... but gay Voyager could be a symbol. Yeah, that's absolutely fine. A symbol that says "fuck you, Rick Berman." <laughs> I like. I I could stand behind that symbol, right? Don't care for that guy. Don't care for him at all. Anything else? Uh, no. Okay, my quote. Yes, is the actual last line of the episode, which uh, which quite amused me. Mm-hmm. And sounds a lot like the future. Any predictions? Only that in a few minutes, this bottle will be empty. Then maybe you should go to the cargo bay, grab another one. How do you know that's where I keep it? Oh, I can't tell you. Why not? Temporal Prime Directive. And I know it was funny, and I do not remember what it was now. <laughs> so good job, me, of, of when I took these notes. Mm-hmm. But no, I remember there was a cute Kate moment, so it's good enough. All right, pushing forward to an episode I... 
I actually liked. Yeah. I don't even have to qualify that. Just liked. It was a good uh, episode. Who knew? Yeah lineage uh-huh. so take it away matt all right so while falling over in engineering Belandis discovers that she's pregnant and not thankfully infected with a parasite or a time traveler or a kazon thank christ unfortunately Echep is nearby being secretly in love with her and spreads word to everyone because apparently Echep is the biggest gossip on the ship which is character development i wasn't anticipating <laughs> so Belana enough so Belana officially has two interests now rock climbing and being pregnant Paris is, of course, delighted. A quarter Klingon baby is a great way to disappoint his father. And, of course, Neelix instantly demands that he be made godfather. Boy, I wish Neelix's asshole would fall out. Blana's pretty worried about the whole thing, though. She had a rough life growing up being half Klingon, and she's not super thrilled about the same thing happening to her kid. Especially when the doc extrapolates what the baby will look like when it's born, and Blana's horrified to learn that it's the dancing baby from Ally McBeal. Also, yeah, we can totally extrapolate what a two-day-old baby looks like, which is really upsetting to me. Anyway, after the doc corrects a minor spine problem with the wee fetus Torres, Belana gets into her gets it into her rigid head to use genetic engineering to just make the baby not cling on at all, which I thought was illegal when they made a big deal out of it on DS9, but whatever. So the doc's against it, but Belana has a pretty good way of convincing him, specifically reprogramming him. Paris figures out what's going on when the doc goes 8 minutes without mentioning his singing voice and he's able to talk Belana down. Then they look at their gross computer-generated babies some more. You know, Star Trek, real babies exist. Maybe just take a photo of one of those. People have been photographing babies for centuries, for God's sake. Well, the thing is, they wanted to put proper Klingon ridges on it. And with a baby, you have to put tiny little bumps and that's it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I get that. Yep. It's not hard. I just don't think, it, I don't think it's an... No, I don't think it's an effect that aged well. Mm-hmm. Like, But I, th- I get what they were trying to do. Here. This is your baby. Ah. Oh. The thing is, Why I do is it think so plastic? They, I do think they could extrapolate a baby, like like what a baby's probably going to look like. Like, and the doctor even says this is approximate. We don't know for mm. sure, but we already can read the human genome. We already have a pretty good idea, like what color your hair is going to be, how tall you'll probably be, like all the basic stuff. Like, assuming environment doesn't change it. Mm. So that's actually plausible. It's actually a thing they could do. I just think it's really weird when she's in the holodeck and she's like, "Okay, show me the baby in twelve years," and there's this twelve-year-old kid just like, "What's up?" No, that what's up? I'm your I'm your one day old baby. That's a thing like because because DNA, because you have a whole map of what they're supposed to, you know, all their traits Mm. like the DNA says their hair color will be this. Their eye color will be this. Their skeletal structure will be like that, you know, so on. Mm. Like and again, environmental stuff will will factor in like if she breaks her nose or gets hit with a rock. Yeah, or whatever. But like, like the the base model is going to look something like this. Mm. We have the plans. We have like the instruction manual for building your baby. It's just not built yet. Mm. All right. Like, I get that. All right, I'll take and it. Also, I might be wrong that that's not entirely real. But I, I, I'm, like, I have a base understanding of the sort of the science. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm willing to make the leap, even if it's not real. Is what I'm saying. All right. But uh, I, I, yeah, the, and and again, the hollow baby was fake looking, but. Again, I think they didn't want to slather a bunch of makeup on a real baby is why they did I think they should slather so much makeup on a real baby. If they no, can make a Borg baby, they can uh, they can make a ridged-headed baby. Because uh, the, the whole point of this episode was for Bellana to realize how horrible, like, uh, from her perspective, how horrible a time this baby's going to have with its, with its Klingon look. So they really needed to show it looking like a Klingon and not just like the, the three, you know, the dots like they put on uh, Naomi. Sure. What a horrible baby. Some dots. Just wipe them off. It's fine. No. 
Now, I really liked this one a lot. This like, is great. You want to get into fucking Bolana's character. Jesus Christ. It's what I was just saying before is like, okay, stop doing the high concept sci-fi stuff. Like there's still some sci-fi in here. This is a story you can only tell with Star Trek because of the, the genetic modifying and stuff like that. Sure. But, but the basic thing is a race story, mm-hmm. which Star Trek, apart from far beyond the stars, hardly ever does right. Mm-hmm. They usually do black on the left side, white on the right side, or, you know, people on my planet uh, have evolved beyond, you know, like yeah. some kind of bullshit. Like this was, and it, okay, we should say this up front. We're two white dudes. There's yeah. a lot of privilege. There's a lot of misunderstanding. We may misspeak. I'm trying my best to understand this, but I could be wrong. But mm-hmm. from what I understand from the outside looking in, a lot of people, particularly people who grow up as whatever you want to call it, biracial, mixed, whatever the least offensive way to say that sure. is. From two different cultures, from from two different whatevers, like have a hard time. Like if you pass as one thing, but people make fun of you because you're not one and you're not the other. Mm-hmm. Like it's a it's a real thing people deal with. Yeah. I've, I've read and talked to people about, that deal with this a lot, and it it surprises me that Star Trek handled it so sensitively because yeah, Balana's seriously a self hating half Klingon. Mm-hmm. She doesn't want to be Klingon. She hates it. And she has, we, we do a series of flashbacks to her past where we realize she thinks her dad hates her for it too. And he doesn't, it's more complicated. Than yeah. That. But she thinks that, and all that's wrapped up in, I don't want to put my baby through this again. And it's, it's a great, like interesting look at casual racism and, and what it's like to grow up like that. Self-loathing. And I, yeah. And it's really interesting. Like I said, it just, it was a, a level of emotional maturity that I, rarely expect from Star Trek and never expect. No, just the fact that she's like looking in the mirror and just like, I will, I do not want this for my kid. Yeah. And we've seen her go through this before. Oh yeah. Twice in the episode where she was split into Klingon and human. She's like, can I just stay like this? Yeah, this is better. I like this. And so it's good that this isn't coming from out of nowhere too. This is something they set up before. Well, I mean, this has been a part of her character since the first episode almost. Yeah. But they really like, oh, God, now now another, like a whole new generation's got to go through this shit again. No, thank you. Yeah, no. Just uh, genetically uh, alter her to be something else. Yeah, and I, I honestly, I'm not sure the point you make about genetic. Like, I think genetic enhancements are illegal. Mm. I think doing things to make your kids smarter, stronger, whatever is bad. But I think just switching a certain gene on or off. May oh, not well, be. see, that's not what I'm talking about. Like the, the fact that they're doing something to correct the spine injury makes perfect sense to me. Uh, I am less thrilled by the idea that using genetic engineering, you can basically make the baby into whatever you want. I mean, again, it's, we don't have that technology yet, but we have the understanding of it. And yeah. It makes sense that the one day that'll exist. You can flip the switch for blue eyes and for blonde hair or whatever. Yeah. The idea of having just like your parents just being able to like, well, I want a blonde baby. I actually thought it was really telling in again in this sort of race way mm-hmm. when she's on the holodeck and she's changing its appearance and she doesn't just take the Klingon stuff away. She also makes it blonde. Yeah. It's like, ooh, they they actually that's that's good. Yeah. I, I I've known some people who were like, I wish I could have just grown up, you know, blonde hair, blue eyed, then people wouldn't like then I'd pay attention to what I am. Then I'd be perfect. Then I'd be normal, yeah. which is a horrible thing to teach a kid. Yeah. But, but also is definitely a thing parents teach their kids. It absolutely exists in the world. Mm-hmm. And cruel children will tease the hell out of anyone for like, look, I got teased like mercilessly teased for being redheaded, which is nothing like race at yeah. all. That's like the lowest like I I like, you know, I was unhappy a little bit, but it's fine. Mm-hmm. But no, Al. 
I just saying kids will latch on to anything. Oh, yeah. What I'm saying. So if it's something more substantial, it, it gets like like uh, sort of exponentially worse. <clears throat> and yeah, they show a little like she's hanging out with her cousins on a dumb camping trip and they put like worms in her food. Like, haha, you're a Klingon. Eat worms, Klingon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just a kid. I don't, I don't know. Fuck you, kid. You ruined my sandwich. Yeah. We're on a camping trip. We only have a couple of these, you son of a bitch. But she's not angry, Bolana yet. I'll she's kill you. Just, like, she's sad, Bolana. Uh-huh. I like that. I'm sorry, sad Bellana. That's what made her angry, Bellana. I think. Mm-hmm. I think we witnessed the turning point. <laughs> that one kid. That fucker yep. put worms in my sandwich, and now I hate everybody. Get over I here! Like, I'm gonna punch you in the face. I like how it all escalated mm-hmm. because then her dad, she she overhears her dad talking about how, like, uh, yeah, now I didn't want to live with a Klingon, and now I got to live with two Klingons. Mm-hmm. This is rough, and it's just. It's just, I thought the kids went to bed and I'm confiding in my friend or yeah, he's brother or whoever. It, like, yeah, I mean, it's not like he hates her, but a kid doesn't know that. No. And her, her interpretation is, oh, God. My dad, my dad hates me. My dad hates me and my mom because we're Klingon, mm-hmm. which is exactly the thing I'm already trying to deal with. Yeah. And then like a week later, he ends up leaving anyway. Yeah. So she basically thinks he left because I'm a Klingon. Is mm-hmm. what, like She can adult rationalize the hell out of that, but it's still feels like that you know what i mean i gotta say mr torres you have that conversation with your daughter that's gonna punt that's gonna uh roll back your plans to leave the family by a while if you're a decent father <laughs> you're gonna wait until she forgets about that well at least give wasn't. it a month maybe he wasn't maybe the camping trip was like the last okay i'm gonna try to bond with my daughter well this didn't work all right i'm gone all right screw this yeah so long losers I like it though. I, mm-hmm. I really, I really thought that was some good stuff. And Balana's so like we've only talked about her side of this so far, but she like it's completely sympathetic. It's completely I get it. Mm-hmm. Or like I haven't been through it myself, but I know enough about other people's struggles to understand where she's coming from. But she basically orders like the doctor to change her kid, and the doctor's like, "What? No, that is unethical. I'm not doing that." Yeah. And the captain won't step in, and Tom absolutely doesn't want it. It's also his kid, mm-hmm. and it's, it creates some good conflict. And I get like that's my favorite kind of conflict where I can see where everyone's coming from, and they just clash because they they all have good perspectives. The you know? the, the the fact that the episode ends with her reprogramming the doctor so that he'll just do whatever she says. Yeah, and then hoping to de- get this taken care of before Tom notices. Yep, is like I'm watching it. I'm like, wow, this is like, this is so like it. It it feels so like big, but it doesn't feel out of character at all. No, and we both I think hate the constant like uh, device of okay, someone went crazy and wants a thing and took over the ship and mm-hmm. reprogrammed everything and like the doctor last week, everything's back to normal and everyone yeah. like is never going to mention it. This is different. This felt different to me though. Yeah, no, it, this is like she's panicking and like yeah, and she's an engineer. She's a good engineer, mm-hmm. so she's going to fix this with her engineering skill, which is the the thing I need to fix. This is the doctor. I helped build the doctor in his current form, yeah. so I could change him. This is easy. Yeah. I know how to do this. Mm-hmm. The hard part is going to be making Tom not figure out what I'm doing. Well, that's not too hard. He's not very bright. That's true. He's not. And the thing is, you're right. I, I think Tom's kind of into her being Klingon, or at mm-hmm. least uh, just doesn't care. Oh, yeah. Doesn't doesn't see why it's a thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, Which is going to happen if you grow up the whitest dude in the world. Yeah, he absolutely is the whitest dude in the world. Mm-hmm. But I also think you might be right that... Uh, he thinks that's going to piss his dad off a little bit. Oh, yeah. Because it might. 
or as Amanda called him, the dadmiral. Yep, basically. You know, <laughs> the, the where you have to call your dad sir in front of everybody. Yeah, the dadmiral. Whatever you say, dadmiral. <laughs> Screw um, you, I married a Klingon. Look at my quarter Klingon baby. Oh, I love him. Son of a bitch. Yeah. I gotta try harder next time. Oh, I'm gonna date. I'm gonna date the uh, Armus. Oh boy. How you doing, Dad? Can I call you Dad? I feel like we bonded. Hey, Dad Merle. Let's go fishing. <laughs> I'll put worms in your food. I hear that's a thing, right? You like worms in your food? <laughs> I'm the skin of bonding. <laughs> I um I liked in the beginning like in the in the first scene there's like Balana collapse you know like the standard morning sickness sure. like uh, standard they only cling on their their pregnancies are much shorter mm-hmm. and probably more intense yep and um I like that uh, Echeb scans her and says uh, you, there's another living being you've got a parasite you have a parasite <laughs> which understandable if you've been living on Voyager for a while oh god something's infected you or possessed you or something. I, I didn't think of it that way. You're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. I thought of it more as he's a dumb kid who hasn't even like, I'm sure he on paper knows about pregnancy, uh-huh. but it doesn't occur to him as a possibility. I have only read about pregnancy in books. Right. Exactly. I've never met a pregnant person. Like, I don't know what this means. <laughs> and I, I just, I like his, and that's his total naivete, which mm-hmm. I really like. Oh yeah. I've enjoyed all along. It's another reason to like each of I the thing is there was an episode I really didn't like him in. It mm-hmm. might have been the Haunting of Deck Twelve. Come to think of it, I don't yeah, look. We don't like anybody in the Haunting of Deck Twelve. Haunting of Deck Twelve fucking sucks. But also, I feel like one of our like longtime regular guests, it was either Flonk or Gav, or maybe both of them, mm-hmm. super hates Echeb. Yep. And those guys were right about Harry. So maybe like I'm reluctant to say I love Echeb because I feel like those guys probably have a point and something bad's coming. I mean. It- if it's happening, it's it's better, it's, if it's happening, it's going to have to hurry up because we're running out of episodes. Oh, thank Christ for that. No, I, uh-huh. I just, I've been burned before. I keep liking characters and then they keep sucking. Yep. We liked Neelix for f- the first couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. I mean, in this one, he's total garbage. Well, in every episode since we stopped liking him, he's been total garbage. Yeah, there, this was my bad thing. You mentioned it in your summary. He just worms his way in oh. to be the kid's godfather. Hey, so I'll be his godfather, right? Oh, like, I was so hey, angry. Just, she, she's been pregnant for a day. Not even, yeah. no, not even a day. Because you know what? Like, fucking, no, she found out when she got to work that morning and suddenly she's pregnant and the whole ship fucking knows. No, nah, the thing is, the thing is, it's more than a day. It takes you a little while to, like, show okay but she's known she's pregnant for a day like yeah it's it's very new news for sure and fucking fucking neelix runs up just like hey i'll be the godfather right and he doesn't ask he's not humble about it at all he just assumes maybe i could be the kid's godfather he's like yeah so i'm obviously that what i mean what other choice would you have i mean it's not like your best friend lives on this ship or you know like her like the the older dude that sh- that your the wife's been uh, f- been friends with for years. Yeah, the or whatever. thing is, I I hate Harry Kim, but he is like unmistakably Tom's very best friend. Yeah, and Balana's got Chakotay. She's also got the captain, who mm-hmm. is definitely her become her mentor. Yeah, like there's a lot of much better choices. Mm-hmm. Uh, she ends up they end up going with the doctor, which is not a bad choice. I suppose. Uh, it's actually my good thing. I actually found that scene to be very sweet. Oh yeah, yeah. 
You know, okay. and I want to bring it up also just because last week we were like a fucking doctor. It was really nice to see her just like, no, you know what? Like, I like, <laughs> I think you'd actually do a good job. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I, know, I know you're a hologram who is easily reprogrammable and you can only leave this room if you have a little device on your shoulder. But if there anything ever happens to me, I want you to take care of my baby. Yeah, that is definitely a thing he could do. Mm-hmm. Like uh, physically, psychologically, maybe not. But, well, it's yeah. uh, singing lesson day 4,372, baby Torres. I mean, if the kid's that old, he's going to be like 15, mm-hmm. but still calling him baby Torres. The huh? wee baby Torres. Also, I like your assumption, and I don't dispute your d- assumption that the kid would take on the mom's last name and not the dad's. Yeah, I don't know why I think that, but I, it's, it seems pretty obvious to me. I th- I'm look. I'm totally fine with that. First of all, it's kind of a dumb tradition we have anyway. That mm-hmm. like, yeah, it, I'm sure it goes back to the old uh, women are our property thing. You must yeah. take our name. Fuck that. And she says as much. I'm not. I'm not going to be Bolana Paris. No way. I I but, actually put a little bit of thought into this when I was writing the. It's like, what would that baby's last name be? It's like Taurus Paris. Those names don't really go well together. No, they don't at all. And I, and I tried doing the portmanteau thing. That doesn't work either because they're too close. Yeah. Porous. Porridge. Porridge. There you go. The wee baby porridge. I just, I like, um, I, because the episode focuses so hard on this is her baby. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, Tom is involved and he's sort of collateral damage in all this. But uh, it's really about Bolana and her baby. You, yeah. You, I'm sure, just defaulted to, well, it's obviously the baby Torres because this is about Bolana's baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So. But, yeah, it, it also... Who cares? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I believe we're going to see this baby before the show ends, so uh, we'll find out. I oh, suppose, yeah, but I, don't, yeah. I don't care that much. It's just a show. In this case, mm-hmm. it's just a show we should really just relax. It's true. In so many other ways, I'm not going to relax. Mm-hmm. Fucking Neelix, just, ah. Ugh. I'll be his godfather. Like, I nobody don't likes you. Go- I don't like you, Neelix. No. And Bellana will- really doesn't like you. We I don't like say, you. I will say, speaking of characters I don't usually like I and we've been trying to do this things we complain about week after week when we find something good to say about them there was a good scene with Harry mm-hmm. there was uh so Blana gets real real defensive they get in a big fight and yeah. they get in fights a lot that's just how they are mm-hmm. some couples do and uh he's got to go sleep on Harry's couch which is kind of a like stereotypically uh, uh sitcom thing but I'm willing to forgive that I'm gonna say Harry Kim has the least comfortable couch in all of Starfleet by the way he's he said like Tom says that mm-hmm. he says he's got well on the ship mm-hmm. I don't know about all of Starfleet but um but I mean like in the scene where they're talking I'm like that couch looks horrible don't sleep on that is that like your standard issue the ensigns get the shitty couches maybe? yeah probably he's been waiting seven years to get promoted to a good couch yeah and uh, since they're not going back to star bases, they don't get like the, you don't replicate something big like a couch. You have to like get it from Starfleet. Yeah, like how would you even do that? It's like okay, one cushion. Yep. Two cushions. It just explodes out of it. <laughs> well, no, it's uh, because you get replicator credits on Voyager. You just get one IKEA piece a week <laughs> until you finally have the entire piece of furniture. Harry uses all of his uh, holodeck time to just enjoy a really good couch. Yep. But anyway, so they get in a fight, and and Tom sleeps on on Harry's couch, and there's a scene where Harry's trying to give him advice, and for once, it doesn't come off as creepy, gross, ignorant Harry. Mm-hmm. It, he gives him some good advice, and I I don't hate it. Yeah, it's a good scene. It's not as good as the scene between Tom and Tuvok. No, that's great. Tom super awkwardly 
Like, uh, clear, like, he volunteers to help Tuvok, and Tuvok's like, uh, we've worked together seven years, you have never done that? Okay, but and, yeah, but you're, you're a dad, though, so. Yeah, you're the only dad I know. Can you help me? <laughs> I, li- I like that, and I like his, uh, uh, I'm gonna be, I think I'm gonna be getting a lot more shifts with you, Tuvok. Yeah, because Tuvok is, like, I, I love the way, and this is partially in the writing, partially in the performance, mm-hmm. but I love the way Tuvok clearly loves his kids like loves in a very emotional sense oh yeah but but still conveys that within the bounds of being vulcan Mm -hmm. like that's that's hard that's a hard thing to pull off yeah i feel things but i'm not supposed to show you that i feel things Mm -hmm. but the audience still needs to get that yeah like that's complicated and he pulled like every single time we reference his wife or his kids he nails that and it's like there's some real complex stuff going on there. i love it yeah and uh yeah I like it. Tuvok's a good character. I like that guy. He is. And I like that Tom, like, even though they don't really get along that much, they mm-hmm. have nothing in common. He's like, you know what? I'm about to have a kid. I'm going to talk to the smartest dad I know. Yep. Which is good. Well, let me, let me ask the captain uh, about raising puppies. That's yeah. like the next the next best thing I can think of on the ship. Well, I've found that uh, if you get puppies, you should immediately get stranded in the Delta Quadrant. That worked <laughs> for me. It might let your work ex-fiance you. take care of it. <laughs> His problem now, probably why he's my ex-fiance. Anyway, ah, <laughs> uh, but I go on. She and, and maybe okay. What other parents do I know? Oh, there's Ensign Wildman. No, she'll just tell me to dump the kid off on Neelix, and I don't want that. No, I definitely don't want to do that. I liked Ensign Wildman, but and I like her kid, but uh, her her ideas of parenting. Here, this is your problem now. Oh boy. Ah, I love problems. <sighs> I'm problematic. <laughs> you I'm your that. problematic fave. Well, you're one of those things. Uh, what else? What else, indeed? Yeah, um, see with the baby, or Bellana, uh, bad thing, hate the computer-generated baby, talked about that. Yep. Uh, I loved that there was no deadly danger. Like, No, whole- that was great. And this is what I've been talking about, like like character driven. You don't have to invent some dumb space thing. Mm-hmm. Just do. And again, this is a this is a Star Trek story because you had the genetic stuff. You had being able to reprogram the Doctor is an inherently Star Trek thing. You couldn't do that in a like a a grounded in reality show. You can't just reprogram people, right? Like it's a I, I don't know. I like it. Yeah. No, it's great. I it a lot. Yep. Quite good. Quite good. Anything else? Uh, just look at my notes here. Do do do, do do as you say do. Let's see. I insult Chuck. I insult Neelix. <laughs> uh, no, the end. Very well. You got a quote? I do have a quote. This is. Let's see here. Uh, this is once again Bellana summing up everything about uh, fucking Star Trek. Maybe a change of scenery would help. How about the holodeck? That's your solution to everything. Yeah, that's about right. Well, mm-hmm. about Voyager anyway. Yeah, about Voyager. Yeah. Do you think, Tom, like, I was just thinking, like, when I was thinking of Ensign Wildman raising Naomi, like, but sending her with Neelix is slightly better than sitting her in front of the TV all day. You think Tom's approach would be just to sit the kid in the holodeck all day? Probably. Like, whatever hollow tele- hollow tubbies? The thing is, I don't think Paris is, like, super into the holodeck so much as it is. The things he likes to do, to do he can only do on the holodeck now. So he's getting stir-crazy on the ship. Yeah, basically. 
typically if he was in Starfleet, he would go on a lot of shore leave and do a lot of this stuff like out in the world. Yeah, like he like like if he could, he'd be out in the real world, like driving a car really fast or like flying yeah. a plane or something. But he can't do any of that. So he's kind of stuck with what he's got. So he's not Barkley. He just using what he's got. Yeah, exactly. Like, I've never thought, like, for the amount he uses the holodeck, I never thought he had, like, a holodeck addiction. He just doesn't get to do the things he likes to do. That's a that's a fair point. I just, I think it's lazy writing. But, yeah, There's that's, that that's too. A good, that's a good in-universe explanation for what his mm-hmm. deal is. No, I just, I kind of picture, like, it would be funny to me if someone set their kid in front of the 24th century equivalent of the television. Yeah, exactly. Here, this will raise you. Yeah. Except it's more like how I was raised, which is in front of the Nintendo. Well, yeah. No, you were the next level of that. Yeah, exactly. Like I was I was the last uh, generation of kids in front of the TV, and then suddenly there were more channels and cartoons were on all the time, mm-hmm. and there were video games. Yeah. Here, here, Matt, tell this plumber what to do. Yeah. <laughs> I will tell him to jump into a hole. All right, we're running a little short again. It's, it feels like we're running it like, and we get like this. I don't think this is just Voyager. I think we get like this at the end of every seven season show. Where we're just like, we, mm. well, it's not even that. Like, because with, with DS9, we were still excited. It's oh, just, yeah. We've run out of things to notice about the characters. Mm. We've run out, like, we don't have as many things to point out because, you know what I mean? The show's, the show is the show. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. early on in Enterprise, we're going to see new ships, new characters, new things. And we'll have stuff to talk about. But if that show went on for seven years, probably about year five, we'd get a little tedious. Like, we'd get a little, you know, well, what do we mention now? Stir crazy. But that show only went four seasons, so yeah. we don't have that problem. Yeah. Uh, so we still have some mail. Uh, yeah. Gonna, gonna answer that. Also, Rich in the I old be- mailbag. I believe our supplemental, our next supplemental is not actually going to be a mail show. So we're going to kind of keep doing this, I think. Yeah. Uh, so here we go. Uh, this one comes from Mike X. Mm-hmm. And he says, so remember that email I sent you guys for the last supplemental where I talked about how exciting it was to be able to follow Voyager along with the show now that I can download episodes from my phone to Netflix? Yeah, well, forget all that. (coughs) You know why? Three episodes in, Voyager season sevening so hard that we get Tom and Harrible Kim (coughs) joining a space NASCAR race, except that Belle kicks Harrible off the ship so that she and Tom can talk about their relationship. Now, I kind of like their relationship, at least a little, but everything around it was boring and predictable, and that leads me to my question. Should I just quit watching along with you guys if the episodes are going to be this bad? Bear in mind that I've collected terrible comic book series long after I should have stopped, so I'll probably keep going. I just kind of wanted your opinion. Yours in bitter disappointment, Mike. Here's the nice thing about our show is that we'll tell you if the episode is good enough to watch. I will say this. People don't always agree with us, which obviously. And so what you need to do first is determine how accurate we are. Mm -hmm. If you think our opinions are more or less your opinions, then yeah, watch the ones we say are good and don't. If you find you disagree with us almost all the time, do the opposite. Mm -hmm. But we'll give you a pretty good sense of what's going on. That's the point of the summary. Like, oh, I like goofy time travel episodes and Chakotay's my favorite character is is a thing I can't imagine any human being saying, but maybe they would. And if that's the case, you might like Shattered. Yeah. We told you what that is and there you go. Give it a look or don't. That's your option. That's the freedom that is to be a podcast listener. Yeah. And the whole point of us, like, setting the show up this way giving the summary is maybe you're not watching along with us maybe you just get the broad strokes of what Mm. happened in the episode but that's that's the whole point of us telling you is you have the context of what we're discussing yeah i listen to plenty of tv or uh, tv show podcasts where i don't watch the episodes like it's fine i mean i tried to like we we both try to 
make you know give you the basic idea so you don't have to Mm -hmm. but on the other hand you know nerds are nerds like mike says yeah and there is definitely a tendency for nerds to do it all to to keep going Mm -hmm. to to keep buying comics as he says that uh, you're not into by the way don't do that man that just makes it so that those bad comics keep going yeah, I it know. took me years to learn that, but goddamn, if I didn't learn one thing from working in a comic store, it was that. I I get it. Like buy everything with Wolverine on it or whatever. Like then they're just gonna keep making that. Mm-hmm. But you know. Uh, and Mike says, "P.S. I mean racing. Does the Venn diagram for racing and Star Trek even exist? The only interesting thing I know about racing is there used to be a driver named Sterling Marlin." <laughs> Who, if he'd been in the 1950s DC universe, would have grown up to become the superhero Silverfish. But that's not even a fact. <laughs> that's true. That's very useful information to me. His hypothetical? No, the fact that there was a racer named Sterling Marlin. That's amazing. Is it? Sure. All right. Uh, one more comes from uh, Kinuki. And right. says, hi, Matt and Al. Hi. Just two quick Two quick things. Have you read IDW's Star Trek Deviations? They pulled off a Deanna crashes a Star Trek joke that's not a condescending, that's not condescending and is really a badass moment. Uh, I, I did. I really did not care for it. That is the grim and gritty alternate future with the uh, next gen crew. I oh, I think a I saw a picture of that and I was like, Ugh. yeah, I showed you a couple of shots from that and people were picking like the one panel that I chose to show people, uh, people, everyone found something to criticize about the art. Like, Everyone pointed out a different character that they thought looked terrible. Was that so. that artist that did the Doctor Who Borg one again? I don't think so. Okay. But this was like, like, whoa, Riker's legs are weird. Whoa, Picard's head is all out of proportion. Whoa, like everybody yeah. found something. So I try not to criticize. Like, I just threw it out there. I wasn't mm-hmm. going to say this is terrible art, but a lot of people seem to think it was terrible art. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Also, the gist of it was these guys had gone back in time, like in First Contact, didn't stop the Borg. And now Earth is like a Mad Max wasteland because the Borg took over. Uh, that's that's not what happens if the Borg take over. I don't know what to tell you. <sighs> it, it was like Jordy uh, had Data's severed head driving his dune buggy. That's the dumbest fucking thing. All right. People like what they like. Uh, and uh, Kanuki goes on. Now that you're near the finish line with Voyager, here's a heads up. I remember the first half of the show to be dire. And yeah, that's about right. Mm hmm. There may be a decent ep here and there, but it's a directionless, forgettable mess. But when the show begins to experiment, it all around improves. Looking forward to how you react to the final season. Cool. Okay. So we'll look forward to that. I like when they experiment. Like, I don't always like, like, if they, whenever they try something new, I don't always like what they're trying, but mm-hmm. I like that they're trying. Yeah. Like, I didn't love the flashback to Janeway's Ancestor episode, but I respected it for doing something I hadn't seen before. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, look forward to that. All right. That is all for this week. Uh, if you want to write to us, as these fine folks have, it is postatomichorror at Gmail, uh, the website, postatomichorror.com, the Tumblr, postatomichorror.tumblr.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt would w- like you to review us on iTunes for some inexplicable reason, so do that. Yeah, it helps people find the show. Yeah, sure, whatever. Um, next week, our pal Tidro will be here, so probably there will be some defending of Harry Kim, or maybe she's finally given up on that. We- we're, we're get- I feel like we're getting close. I, I do feel like every time we have a guest on this season, it's like, you know how on a movie set, they're like, okay, that's a wrap for Patrick Stewart. He's done. Yep. Like, okay, that that's a wrap for Voyager for Amanda. Like, she's done. She doesn't have to watch anymore. Yep. All right, Bob, that's your last Voyager. You're done. You're, you're free. You're free now. So each each one of our guests, like, I know we still have Enterprise to do, but I feel like we're setting them free with these appearances. Yep. 
Uh, so look forward to that. Uh, and until then, uh, see ya, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2017. Please don't sue us. We're, we're, we're still just doing this. Mm-hmm.